So, Scotty, I I think you've been a little bit slack. Oh, very good, John. Very good. You're getting. You're almost like. I don't know why you don't do this for a living. You know. I, I wouldn't know what to do with all the excess money that I would I would get, which is why I have to be a software engineer at a big company instead, so I can make just fewer than twelve million dollars a year. But uh, no, I was referring to uh, using applications like Slack. I I used it a lot um, and quite like it, and I think you might too as well. I do. I I mean, as a principal, I like Slack a lot, and as a an application, I probably primarily use Slack from the desktop, although I also use it on my phone. Um, it's uh, it's okay. It's sometimes got its problems, but it, it's okay. But of course, um, Slack is uh, a hybrid app. Um, it's not a pure native Cocoa app. It's a, uh, a hybrid <gasps> thing. <gasps> Be still my heart. <laughs> that that sounds scandalous because aren't you always going on and on about how, you know, uh, you should be using pure native applications? I probably do. And what's more than that, I always am going on that developers, if they want to make money, should be developing uh, native applications and Mac applications, not necessarily iOS applications. But um, yeah, I, I've just sort of have realized over the last few days that I now use far more uh, web applications than I ever used to, uh, straight natively in the browser. And... Um, uh, also, then there are applications such as Slack, which are these these hybrid things, uh, and and so it's made me wondering. You know, I, I've said for a long, long time that you know the native thing is so good, it's not going anywhere, and all this. But uh, obviously, over the last few years, progress either progress has been made, or we resign ourselves to the fact that some things are just not going to be native. So, for example, uh, web applications I use. Um, my project management software is web application. Uh, my accounting software is a web application. Uh, obviously, we all use lots of things like uh, GitHub and, and whatever else where you know, we tend to use the web interface, although there are obviously some. You know, I use Git Tower as a Git client, but obviously GitHub itself has a web interface and Git, GitHub issues and all this sort of thing. Uh yeah, there's people use Jira, and I guess I guess it's the a lot of things where you need to collaborate, use, you know, talk to other people have just have naturally become web applications. And to be honest, they're a lot better than they used to be. The the um, browser application experience is you know it's moved beyond where the you know the most exciting thing you had available was the blink tag. Um, and uh, it's better, but it is interesting. I'm, I am sort of wondering where this is going to end up and how much further forward it's going to go, really. Hmm. Well, you know, uh, it, it, I was thinking about that a little bit as well, because, you know, people will remember that I was a big fan of this thing called Cappuccino, this framework that came out a, a, you know, a number of years ago. And so I, I, I do remember kind of the the I wouldn't call it the the web versus native wars, but there really was a strong effort to be able to say you know the desktop is going away and and you know and even that was old news because you may you may remember uh, uh, Mark Andreessen once saying that the existence of the Netscape platform, meaning the browser and some backend stuff they had and you know uh, I guess some some other secret sauce and and magic sugar that was 
you know, sprinkled on things. It basically, that that the presence of that platform reduced Microsoft Windows to to being basically a partially debugged device driver. So, I mean, th- this whole web versus native has been around for a while, but. Uh, when I when I think about it, you know, it, it, it talks to me about two things. What is that? There's now a class of, of applications, ones that are that that you know, Slack is a perfect example. I mean, Slack. Part of the reason why they're I think it's popular and successful is because Slack is everywhere. I mean, they they turn they lit up, you know, support for for every meaningful platform um, that anybody is, is using to collaborate with, and and they were there every on all these different platforms, and 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 they're. You know, Slack is kind of deceptively simple not to try and, you know, undermine or kind of um, uh, underestimate how complicated it is to build their app. Still, it's mostly about interaction with, with, with text flowing, you know, in, in a screen, updating in real time as people are, 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 are typing and the ability to essentially, you know, share content which for the most part is available on the web too so you might link you know you might link a youtube video you might link a web page and it's very good about about extracting an image and a and a and a and a a title and description and making it you know a a visible part of the conversation so i think all those things together make it a a perfect candidate for for being a web application and nobody really expects they think about slack the platform which has a certain visual language and, and 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 user experience which is it's not exactly the same on every platform, obviously, but you definitely recognize it as Slack, and so it doesn't really it doesn't necessarily need to to be something that looks like every other Mac application or every other Windows application or every other Android or you know iOS application for it. So I think what seems to have happened is is you know the the, the browser capabilities have certain certainly got a lot better, and also people have have I think in some ways come to to think about. Super important applications slash platforms, and 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 think about the identity of that. They think about I use Facebook, and you may use it on the web, you may use it on mobile, but you think about the Facebook user experience and 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 kind of graphic language, Slack, Twitter, all all these things, and and so, um, in that respect, I think you know the the dominance of 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 platforms in some ways is is lessened, uh, at least for those types of applications. But it's it's interesting because I, I use Slack and say it's the hybrid application, but I don't really like using Slack in the browser, even though as you say the interface is hard to tell any differences between. Um, again, Twitter is you know the majority of people I understand from the analytics, you know, the vast majority of people use Twitter just through the website. So, you know, only a very small percentage use third-party clients. Um, But I use third-party clients because, you know, I don't like using Twitter through the website. So even though I've become quite happy to, um, uh, you know, use certain applications in um, the, the browser, I'm not, necessarily you know, keen on all of them. And I'm, I'm trying to sort of work out a little bit why that is. And I'm just thinking m- many of the applications I use in the browser are something that I might use for a period of time. So if I'm doing my accounts, I might spend two or three hours in that application, but it's not an application I'm turning to five times a day, six times a day, 10 times a day. Um, and I'm guessing it's the same with my... Uh, project management tool so I mainly use it for hour tracking and stuff like that um, whereas I spend you know I, I check slack reasonably regularly every every half an hour or so uh, Twitter you know maybe every hour or so and I switch to them and I guess 
I I just like the fact, so just thinking the way I'm working, I'm thinking it's totally off the top of my head, so this may totally end up to be nonsense, uh, just like everything else on the show, really. Um, but you know, uh, doing Command-Tab and having a Slack application there that I can just quickly get to, do my five-second check, and go back. The same with Twitter. Um, it just feels like a nicer workflow than having to go find the tab in the browser to do it, even though the interface itself may not be... Um, uh, different now. There, there was someone used to do an application, and I don't know if it's still there, and maybe there's many now, um, where you could take a particular um, website and uh, effectively put a, a dot app wrapper around it. Um, so it basically, took, I think, just took Safari a uh, web view, and um, yeah. But then you could have it in your applications folder if you did tab, you know, command tab. It would. Um, uh, it would give you the an icon that you'd associated with with, with that thing, um, and so maybe some more stuff like that will come along. I can't remember the name of the app. Um, for some reason, something like Fluid rings a bell, but uh, that may be totally wrong. I'll, I'll see if I can remember it. It may not exist anymore, and if I can find it, I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, so maybe I should try something like that for a, a couple of the apps and see if that makes a difference, and then report back. You should do that. I think that we are going to, you know, wait with bated breath. Well, yeah. Breath problems aside, you know, I'm not sure you should <laughs> wait for for, for for that long. But uh, there we go. It's uh, but it, too bad. Too too bad we don't have sponsors because then this would be the perfect place where he's like, you know, fresh breath gum or or you know, hint mints. Take a hint. Yeah, you need a mint. <laughs> Oh, yes, yes. We could, uh, seriously, if there's anyone out there who feels like sponsoring this uh, train wreck of a show, then uh, please feel free, because we could, I'd love to uh, get someone on board to do the editing. The reason the show doesn't come out half the time or is so long is because just finding time to do the editing is uh, is uh, stacking up. So there we are. So if anyone out there works for a uh, mint company <laughs> and you're looking for a, a, an audience that I'm not going to say may have needs, but... <laughs> Or an audience that numbers in the ones. Yes. (laughs) Would you, Mr. Listener, Mrs. Listener, Miss Listener, whatever, like a mint. (laughs) (laughs) There we are. So uh, just continue to talk about web applications for a moment. Um, If you remember uh, one of the side projects that um, I've been talking about was redoing ReviewCast, uh, the sort Mm. of... um, App Store review aggregator. Uh, and of course, uh, I, I've had a couple of attempts at this application. The original one was a couple of years ago where I did actually ship a very basic version um, it, as a web application. Uh, my next attempt at it, of which there are um, lots of code left on my hard drive, was turning that into a Mac application. But um, having gone back to it, uh, it's uh, yeah, as, as I was sharing a few weeks ago, um, I'm doing it as a web application um, because it just seems to to fit. And to be honest, it's quite a lot less work to get this thing out the door because it needs a back end anyway. Um, and so putting, a, you know, at least initially making the initial front end to it, um, you know, an HTML JavaScript-based front end uh, is quite a lot faster than having to work on, on, on the Mac stuff. So again, I think maybe... You know, the reason that web applications are you know, becoming the thing we use is because there's just what we want to be able to do is available on the web. 
and people are making it available on the web because it's easier to make available on the web. It's easier to ship updates, all this sort of stuff. So, um, so uh, yeah. But anyway, I, anyway, I side segue into this because um, after giving my Simon Wolf based no progress diary uh, last week, I have made progress this week. Wow. So yes, it's um, I've uh, put together the application skeleton. And I've put together a front page, which will allow people to uh, register their interest in the application when it comes along, um, which should be a nice, really, really simple, um, uh, you yeah, know, it's a two-minute Rails app to do that type of thing. Um, but I wanted it to, firstly, I wanted to do a little bit of testing on some infrastructure I want to use within the application. The application's going to have a lot of background jobs running, so I wanted to make sure there were some back job, background job queues uh, in the application. And... I wanted to do um, a whole bunch of stuff with intelligent mailing, uh, emailing things at certain times to the right people based on things that they'd asked for and, and whatever else. Um, and so I needed to integrate with some sort of mail service. Now, I think when I was doing ReviewCast before, I just integrated with Mailgun or was it maybe SendGrid? And the application worked loads of stuff out. And did it, and it was never 100% right, and there was always a lot of edge cases. So this time, I've decided to integrate with a a proper full workflow email system, uh, and the one I've chosen to start using, at least initially, anyway, is a is a, a application called Drip. Um, so the front end has to integrate with a, a REST API back to this uh, Drip application. Uh, and I, so I've decided to for speed and for efficiency and for just making sure this stuff works. It would do that through the background job queue, so that you know uh, equally when you when you sign up. Yeah, you know, I, I want to do double opt in because I get so many. Uh, I have an email address that when it when uh, mobile me came out, I thought um, you know uh, I use this for personal email. I thought yes, let's go get my name. Let's go get Scotty straight away at mobile me. And so I was signed up very, very early because it had never been available on .Mac and they released all, re-released all the names when it came to doing MobileMe. And I thought at the time, that is fantastic. I've got scotty at me.com as an email address. Um, and I have, and it belongs to me. And I have the Apple account that goes with it and all that stuff. The trouble is there are about 8 million other people in the world who think they own that email address. <laughs> and so every week I am signed up to so many different services um and when i'm lucky i get you know the the double opt-in email you've just signed up for vietnamese wives please confirm your i'm seriously that's one i've been signed up for um i have a lot of explaining to do to my wife when she looks at my email list um uh you know please you know click here to confirm or just ignore it so obviously those are fine i can ignore it it's annoying but i can ignore it but you would be amazed the amount of um, websites that just start sending you the email and you have to go through the unsubscribe process uh, and you have to do that, including some quite big names like Amazon, for example. You know? Shame. Um, uh, but this is dangerous. Someone signed up for an Amazon US account, because obviously my Amazon account is a UK account, using that email address um, and it never asked them for confirmation. It just did it. And I kept getting, I kept getting all of these uh emails about Amazon this and Amazon that and, and I 
tried to, um, so eventually I went and logged into Amazon using that email address because I could just press the forgot password and it sent me a new password reset. So I logged in and the person who set it up, all their credit card details were in there. Everything was in there. Their address was in there. Their phone number was in there. Um, I could have easily just done something with that stuff. What I did try and do is I sent phone messages to the person to try to tell them this was a problem. But of course, they thought that was some scammer. Um, so just totally mm-hmm. ignored it. So in the end, I I just basically um, you know took over the account and deleted all that information out of it. But you know, it, this isn't it's not a minor annoyance. That's that could have been quite dangerous. You know, if you're not doing double opt in on things so that people can do stuff for email addresses, then you know you are really putting your customers users at risk. So I wanted to do double opt in, um, and so I thought this is a good opportunity. So. Uh, had to do a little bit of integration. So you sign up in the app, it registers you a user as the app is interested, but it then has to put you into the drip system. The drip system uh, then sends you out the welcome email, but the double opt-in email will take you back to the app. So the app knows you've registered, but that then lets the need needs to let drip know that you've registered um, and stuff like that. So it's just an opportunity to work with this system. I have to say the API to drip has been pretty darn good. Um, I'm using Sidekick as the background job processor for Rails, um, and that's been pretty, working pretty well. And Drip's really nice because what it will do is I can I can just say things. Well, if someone hasn't responded within three days, send them a reminder. And then if they haven't, you know, responded again within three days after that, just delete them off of the system so that yeah. we don't spam them again. And so it's 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 really nice. So if you're looking for any email integration to app, I can so far I can highly recommend Drip. It's got a really nice graphical workflow for setting up email paths and routes, or sorry, routes as you would say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's cool. But then of course I need to uh, deploy this so people can start registering interest in ReviewCast. And I said, so let's go for the easy route. Uh, let's um, let's make this um, you know nice and simple. Let's use Heroku. Let's uh, just set everything up on there. So, created a Heroku account, added a Redis add-on, added a PostgreSQL add-on, um, and stuff, and you know in- installed the Heroku command line interface, which you have to do, and then did the upload for this very simple app, and the app crashes. Mm. And I have spent about six hours trying to work out why the app crashes on Heroku. Um, it's not binding to the port. It's an R10 Heroku message, I think, binds bind to port. I've, I've Googled, you know, I've, I've read about 30 different um, uh, Stack Overflow posts, about seven blog posts, followed everything through, everyone said, and not a single thing has, um, you know, come anywhere near fixing it. You know, I can use the old thing. It runs fine in development on my machine. Um, I confirm everything is there. And, you know, when you're, doing a side project in the evenings and weekends, you know, six, seven, eight hours is a lot of time to lose. Oh, yeah. So I'm a bit, a bit miffed. So I'm, you know, I'm seriously, you know, last night I seriously considered, you know, okay, that's it, Heroku. I'm sure it's not your fault. I'm sure it's something I've done, but, you know, I'm going to try and deploy this now on a Linode server and, um, you know, where, and, and just see if I can get it working there. So that's my next job is to get up on a load. So hopefully by this time next week, um, when the show comes out, people will be able to go and register their interest and then I can spam them. I mean, send them informative yeah. and useful emails about ReviewCast as the <laughs> progress goes on. <laughs> With their full consent. Wow. With their full double opting consent. Nice. Well, Scotty, I would say that that you have now escaped from, you know, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, should I be mean to our friend Simon? You you've escaped, you've escaped from 
from the stank associated with progress free projects. So I'm 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 very pleased yeah. to hear that. Yes. Now, that's John. You are you are such a pro at this because um, I've understood that you've escaped from something this week, or was it failed to escape from it? No, no. Well, I don't know. I feel like I, I am trying to escape from hell, um, and that has to do with escaping uh, non-printing characters out of text that flows from different uh, different software systems on different platforms. Well, John, what the hell do you mean by that? Well, let me explain. So. Uh, I work with a lot, uh, a, a lot of, of of things related to uh, deploying uh, localizable strings, and a- anything related to localization of app, I, I spend a lot of time on that. I have for for many many years. It's something I actually enjoy doing, um, and so uh, I've had the opportunity to to you know really learn some stuff of, about the arcane uh, aspects of 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 you know making right to left and left to right text you know work um, and layouts work but in particularly having to do with with mixing text directions in a single string um, and in order to make that happen or even even simpler things you know dealing with things like carriage returns and strings sometimes when you have a, you know, a couple of lines of text you want the translator or, you know who's somebody who's looking at the text and says you know this really needs to be on a new line they want to then put a carriage return in it and and you would think that would just be simple and settled science but sometimes it's not um and it's not when when there are different ways for for that carriage return to get in there because sometimes when you know a translator is or even the developers typing something in they you know a developer might know that the way to separate a line is to use the escaped version of a carriage return in other words backslash n they'll just put it in the text you know in in the in the localizable strings file and uh but a translator may just hit return key which is a more natural way of doing it um and so uh there even though fundamentally it's the same thing there's a big difference between the non-printing, you know, in other words, non-visible character return character and the backslash equivalent or the escaped equivalent of it. And so uh, dealing with trying to to figure out how, when to use which and how to transform it, you know, one form into the other to kind of make things work when you're trying to cleanse text, to, to, to take a, a bit of text that comes across that may come from a web service and may have its origin and three other pieces of software between, you know, where the, where the person actually wrote the text and where it becomes available for, for your iOS app or web app or, or whatever. Um, I've had to do some what I consider some unnatural um, acts using NS strings, you know, replace occurrences of string with 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 uh, with string. Right. Um, so that's that's a bit of API and NS string that, that I think a lot of people use all the time. You've got some text and you want to search for one set of, of characters, some, you know, some pattern, whatever, and replace it with something else. Um, and you may have to do that repeatedly to be able to f- do things like, you know, replace occurrences of, of quotation marks that may have not been escaped, but need to be because they're in the middle of a string and you don't want to kind of, you know, make your localizable strings file not work at all. Um, and uh, so some things, you know, you, you spend a bunch of time working on it and to get to those three magic lines of code and you think wow i wish i didn't have to have spent you know 
two hours doing this because I, I feel like I should have, you know, I don't know, should not, I should have spent two hours doing something else. But uh, that was a little bit of, of, of my time. And I, I solved the problem with, with dealing with, you know, carriage returns and consistently getting it right because you can't have a carriage return in a localizable strings file that, that is part of the value. In other words, you know, strings files have quoted keys like, you know, whatever user welcome message and then the value and the value will be, you know, after an equal sign and then open quote your text and then the other that carriage returns that are that are placed within the quote don't really do what you you expect or want them to do you really have to to use the the backslash and the escaped carriage return to make it work um so that i got to work but when you're trying to deal with something else much more complicated uh non-printing characters unicode characters for instance that change the direction something called an rlm a right to left marker or an lrm a left to right marker something that switches the direction of it that that you know to escape that you end up doing something like backslash u and then the number like 200 f and that's that's either an RLM character, an LRM character, I can't remember. But uh, <clears throat> that you should be able to place in a strings file and it should just work, but unfortunately it doesn't. And so um, if I figure that one out, that will, that that almost should really be part of a blog post. It probably will be of use to, to five people on the planet, For but for the, those five people, they will probably thank me re- re- profusely as I have thanked other people who, you know, have similarly helped me with, with arcane stuff. But uh yeah, sometimes text processing is not absolutely as simple as you would imagine it to be. Oh no, text text is hard. Um, you know, it's and especially with Unicode. Uh, I mean, this you know, you're talking to someone who spent at least six months working on a chat application for a client. You know, and handling. You know, and this is why I admire Slack. The, the you know the fact that the Slack works as well as it does, I can fully appreciate because I know a whole bunch of the issues and problems they're having to solve to make it work. Because I've spent you know, I spent six months trying to <laughs> solve some of those problems and, and they're all to do with text. Everything is to do with, you know, how you handle the text and Unicode in particular. And uh, I have to say, you know, Swift strings obviously are a little bit more Unicode friendly um, than NS string because, you know, it's it's um, designed with it in mind from, from day one. But just handling any of this stuff is, yeah, it's, it's incredibly difficult. I mean, you know, the phrase text is hard is... Um, uh, is is a uh, is a very true one, and that's what you know. You you open, you know, you download a text editor of some form, be it a BB Edit or something like that, you know, and you just get one blank window in your front of you, and you think, well, how hard of this could this application be? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, you know, the the you know, the fact that BB Edit is um you know been around what was it twenty years, for example, and they're still adding improvements to the editor and whatever else, and the way it handles text is just an example of how much work there can be to do with just you know plain text, let alone even, you know, uh, formatted text and things like pages and Microsoft Word um, and just handling, you know, anything like that, you know, you people cut and paste XML in there with all of its weird, you know, uh, with all of its uh, double quotes and single quotes and some possible binary data in there. And, and then you've got to turn that into strings and everything. It's just text is hard. So, John, I am glad you actually enjoy doing it because otherwise your life would be a nightmare. It would be, yeah. I will probably enjoy it for for not that much longer before I said oh, I I have to. But I, I had to switch to something else today, which was another kind of arcane problem dealing with um, older devices. In this particular case, the thirty pin external video, you know, video monitors that are attached with the the old style thirty pin connectors. Um, <clears throat> 
and even just getting the the device set up for it, it's like okay, I've got to find one of these semi ancient devices and then find the right cable that allows me to connect, you know, connect to the 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 iPad and have that pass through and, and connect to an HDMI monitor so I can see both things at once. Um, even getting that working was was you know, it, it's not like it was rocket science, but it was just like tracking down all those different things and then upgrading this ancient device to to the minimum uh, required uh, version of it that 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 needs to be supported. And it was kind of something I'd been putting off and putting off. And finally, and, and I used Slack to, to to put a picture of myself holding up this device with all these cables wrapped around my neck, saying, "If you don't see me <laughs> for a while, or if you hear me cursing, this is why." And then. You know, a couple hours later, posting the happy picture of me and the working thing that I needed to get working. Um, and it was great. And there again, that was one thing that Slack does very nicely is that, uh, you know, to be able to to have people have reactions with, with various uh, emoji and animated emoji or, you know, to go and use Giphy and, 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 and put that type of stuff. It, it, it is clever, I have to say. You know, anyway. Yeah. Emoji. Emoji a nightmare. Emoji are a complete nightmare. I mean, I guess it's a, a sometimes a blessing and sometimes a curse that you work on an application that has such a large user base, probably across such a massively wide range of devices, from the the you know the latest technology to you know ancient technology. But it's you know it's it's nice that you know you're in a position where you know it's it's worth the time. Mm. to go and fix something on a very old device because you know you may still have a million people using devices like that mm. whereas you know the, the those of us shipping apps you know to 25 people or whatever those are the bugs that never get fixed um because you know there's your analytics tell you seven people are currently using it at that level and that bug might annoy you but you can't justify doing it so sometimes it must be quite nice that you have the opportunity to go fix bugs that others couldn't equally at other times i'm guessing yeah oh, why can't these people just buy new devices? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was kind of lucky in this way, so in that it wasn't a bug. It was just basically, it, you know, you you re-architect things sometimes. And so you if you make a change and then you have to make, you know, your newly re-architected classes have feature priority to the old ones. And we kept saying, can't we just drop support for that? And exactly that, that came across. Like, no, actually, you know, here's the data that shows that still a good number of people still use these devices. And so long as they're able to be upgraded to the minimum, you know, Operating system that we support, we, we can't kind of leave people in the lurch because, believe me, you'll hear about it. And and and, and what you may think is arcane and unimportant, there will be very very vocal people who say, no no no, that really is important. So yeah, well, it's uh, interesting and exciting, and I hope uh, I look forward to hearing about more of your uh, your text struggles or your your struggles in uh, in the weeks to come. Yep. So just one more uh, bit of news. I Just to keep the story complete, um, you remember I said I was working on, I through doing this analysis, self-analysis, and working out ah. that I shouldn't really be an independent software developer. I had several ideas, um, you know, of neither of which are now being independent software developers as such or anything big. Uh, I've made, just, just so you're aware, John, I can't really share anything else yet. There was one idea that I can't really share much about yet, but, um, you know, made progress on that this week as well. 
So, um, you know, wow. quite pragmatic process, uh, progress, things like, you know, new company has been registered, registered for taxes, that sort of thing. Um, meetings with designer. So, um, it's, uh, so, so I, it's been a productive week for me, uh, from there. So but, I'm looking forward to be able to share a bit more about that one in a couple of weeks time, hopefully. Scotty, I, I'm, I'm going to have to talk at least 13% less trash about you, you know, considering how much progress you've made. I have to like come up with a new nickname for you. I mean, I can't call you Scotty Wolf anymore. <laughs> I <have to> call <laughs> <you like. laughs> yeah, we have to be very fair to Simon. He shipped Avatar, and I've shipped nothing yet. So until I ship, he is the hero. <laughs> okay. Oh my God, that reminds me. I think I will put in, in the show notes a little video taunt that I I gave to friends. Um, about shipping or not shipping so I, I will include that in the show notes for our listeners amusement so if they didn't get enough john this week you can get extra john that's right through uh, through linking in the show notes well john it's been a, it's been a pleasure to talk to you again Oh, you're not going to bite on that one then? Uh, I, have no idea. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> no. Uh, well, as a... Uh, uh, Go tell people where they can find... Oh, no. It's, no, no. it's just like, you know, I, I, hope, I hope your batteries make it through the week. That's all. I hope you have enough power to get through this week. <laughs> all right, fine. Look, I'm, I'm an environmentally conscious type of person, so I use rechargeable batteries, and then sometimes I forget to charge them all. And yes, it's true. Yesterday, during the recording of this episode, uh, I... You know, looked down at the recorder and saw that there was some, you know, message saying, uh, running low on battery, in which case you think, okay, well, where did it stop actually writing data to the, the, the drive? Um, so I had to ask, I had to beg Scotty's forgiveness. I said, don't worry, it will take not a, a moment for me to find another battery. And so I found, you know, uh, at the bottom of a drawer, uh, some rechargeable batteries that, that I was certain would have enough charge to, to get me through. So Away we went, and then you know, a couple minutes later, blah, sorry, you've run out of battery. And at that point, I realized I had nothing else, no other battery. So I found the ones that I did have, plugged them into the wall, and and you'll listeners will note, and Scotty will will reveal the truth that that I made it all the way through this uh, episode without running out of juice. So there, you did, and I managed to get myself out of bed at five thirty a.m. in the morning for the second morning running to record. So people better enjoy this episode. That's right. <laughs> Well, if people want to to send you know love praises and, and 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 everything else to you on the internet, how would they do that? They can get me on Twitter, John, as MacDevNet, and uh, obviously, if they want to send feedback about the show, feedback at iDeveloper.co. And if they want to throw rotten tomatoes at me uh, virtually or via uh, you know via Twitter, they can do that as uh, on as Jembe. That's D J E M B E, like the West African drum. If they want to throw tomatoes at me physically, um, I live at sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue in, in Washington D.C. Ah, you downsized. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Well, you did say you were only earning 12 million a year as a developer and didn't want to earn any more. So I can understand why you might have to go a little bit smaller. John, it's been a pleasure as always. Uh, Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed the show. And uh, until next time, you take care.